It's finally time for some real football, dog fans. This is the Dogcast, episode number 355, Dogs versus Tigers in Athens. Let's go. Not just any Saturday. This Saturday is about tradition. It's about fans. It's about teams. about legend. And Bobo throws that thing in the end zone and... Yes! Touchdown! Touchdown! It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Like I said, it's Saturday. It's Saturday in Athens. Time to tee it up between the hedges. All right, dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 355. It's the Georgia Clemson pregame show, and it's time for real football. It's football eve, old dog. It is. Which means it's Wednesday, which means the Gamecocks playing on Thursday alongside. Dawkins Middle School, and uh, you know they play. And, it's and middle again, school football night. And again, just you know, it is so hard to burst a Gamecocks bubble because they are pretty much impervious to any kind of thing. So let's just give it to them. If they want to think playing on a Thursday night and quote opening up the season is some great honor then let them have it. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I mean, as and, and and you can criticize the man for a lot of things, but the one thing that you got to love Damon Evans for, other than the fact that he was he was caught with some chick with her, you know, anyway, that's here or there, the fact that the man said, we'll never play on any day but a Saturday. Right. We play football unless on Saturdays. A, right, unless it's a bowl game, and then yeah. it's just all up in the air on that. But, you know, college football is played on Saturdays. High school footballs, I mean, it's there's, I mean, it's pretty basic, right? Middle school is Thursday. High school is Friday. College is Saturday. Pros are Sunday. That's there it. And Monday night. 
And Monday night, and, yeah. And now, and they're and now also, Thursday also. They're just, it's just going crazy, you know. I mean, everybody, so many folks are whores to TV. I'm just excited that it's football season, baby. Football is coming, real football. It is here. Thank heavens. Enough worrying about who's where, what happened in this scrimmage, what happened in that scrimmage. Right. We're actually going to see one team play another and see who's better than the other. It's going to be what, magical. And that's what football is all about. And speaking of who's better than the other, I don't know what has prompted all of this, but over the last like week and a half or two weeks, there's been all this a lot of talk about who is the better running back, Bo Jackson or Herschel Walker, or maybe who was better. Well, hands down, without a doubt, Bo Jackson is the better baseball player. I think we can all agree on that. No, well, I don't know if it's without a doubt, but evidence Herschel suggests didn't play baseball. Well, I, that doesn't mean that Bo's a better baseball player, though. I, I'm not entirely sure well, that Herschel couldn't say, be a better well, baseball let's, player. Let's say, let's give Bo being a better baseball player, and we'll say <laughs> okay. Herschel's a better MMA fighter. <laughs> All right. Okay? So, yeah, okay. Fair's fair. And when it comes to running back, hands down, you look at Herschel's three-year stats, put him up against Bo's four-year stats, Herschel beats him hands down. And Herschel beats him in only two years, right? Yeah. Is, is it two years or three years? I think Herschel's two, first two seasons. First two even, yeah. Or so better I mean, than Bo's four seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you it. know, let, let's put that to rest. And I think a lot of that is just because we are just so damn hungry for football. Exactly. We've got to stir the pot and we've got to get a lot of stuff going. Well, we've and, got and a long, real football long, coming up. Absolutely. And along those lines, I think we would be real, real remiss if we didn't have a little tribute to Dan McGill, probably the greatest Georgia man that has ever been. That man's love for the University of Georgia knew no bounds, and he really dedicated his life to it. No doubt about it. He's he's a he I mean, he is a bulldog's bulldog. You know, guys like him. He is and Bill Hartman F- and Claude Felton—they just don't. They just aren't. They don't. They don't make those kind of guys anymore, really. You know? No, they really don't. And uh, Daniel Hamilton McGill uh, passed away this week. Um, old dog. Ninety-eight, I think, wasn't he? Golly, he was really old. Yeah. Um, I mean, he lived to a pretty ripe old age. I mean, he lived lived a great life. He was something like nine years old when Sanford Stadium was first built, or something. I saw yeah, some stats no. on that. I mean, he was he he's he's been around the block, buddy. Without a doubt. He was a great bulldog, a bulldog's bulldog. Pretty much originated. Uh, I mean, originated a tennis program at Georgia. It really oh, was built it into and and built the finest tennis facilities in in all of collegiate. Right, all, exactly. Made us the home of, yeah. to the NCAA championships year in year out. Um, Dan McGill was a uh, was a, fan, a great American and a great great bulldog, a damn good dog, who will be sorely missed. 
with, with without a doubt and didn't put up with any foolishness. And I've got a couple damn McGill stories that I won't go into. But one of my favorites was when John McEnroe was there. He had won the singles and he was complaining and stuff about coming out because I guess he didn't think there was enough time in between form to rest to play for the doubles championship. And he was doing this and Dan McGill basically called him out and said if he wasn't out there, he was going to turn him over his knee at midcourt and spank him like his parents should have done. <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. Didn't put up with any foolishness from anybody. Just yeah. a great, great man. Great guy. I hate I hated to hear of his passing, but, uh, you know, he is – he's going to ha- – he's just great. He's just great. Absolutely, and he is in a far better place. Yeah, no doubt about it. Dan McGill, great bulldog. And I tell you, I think we should dedicate this week and dedicate this game to Dan McGill. We should dedicate this season to Dan McGill. Yeah. If there's ever been a time to finish the drill, old dog, why don't we finish the drill fin- for real? Finish the drill for McGill. Finish the drill for McGill. Exactly. So that's what I want to do. And uh, talking about finishing the drill, it starts with step number one, beating the Clemson Tigers. Game is coming up at 5.30 on ESPN this weekend. It's Saturday. I tell you, I'm planning on, uh, I'm going to tailgate hard. I'm telling you what, I'm going to tailgate hard. I'm going big. It's the opening weekend, 5.30 kickoff. I am all in on some tailgating. Yeah, now, to, to now, turn a phrase there this. from my Clemson buddies. And and here is one of the big questions for a game like this. Is it grain alcohol or is it vodka in the dog piss? I'm probably going to go or vodka. Or you're going to run both. No, I'm probably going to go vodka because of the temperature. you got to pace yourself. When it's 93 degrees at kickoff, you don't want to be messing around with grain alcohol. Grain That's alcohol true. is strictly an October-November edition. Uh, it's still, it's August, baby. I'm going Tito's Handmade. I hear you. Maybe even, but, you know, I'm, there's always Firefly. I mean, Firefly is always, except I might have to, sh- I'm thinking I might have to shelve the Firefly this weekend since it is produced in the state of South Carolina, home of the Clemson Tigers. And, yeah, yeah. I'm I a mean, superstitious sort, old dog. Probably for the entire, you know, for, for what little is left here in August and, uh, all of in the first part of September, you can't do it because we uh, we need to go two and zero against the state. Right, so I can't be just like I don't drink Gatorade. I'm gonna have to shelve my Palmetto's finest Firefly, which is my favorite summertime spirit. I'm gonna have to shelve it for the next three weeks. There's no doubt there about it. There you go. Well, it is it is definitely the time for dog piss. Ain't no doubt about it. So we've got big game this weekend, old dog. Lots of news. Lots of freshmen gonna play. We've got our the Dogcast intern has come up with a fantastic set of game notes here. Uh, keys to the victory. Um, I've also got some news about the game. You know, Jeb Blazevich gonna play this weekend. I was kind of surprised to see that. Um, you know, I also watched the hype video from last year. Did you watch that video? This people I did. Around? Yeah. Man, you know, it's really easy. It was I had really forgotten uh, just how badass Quavon Hicks was in that game last year. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows how good Gurley is, right? Man, Quavon was came up big for us in that game last year. Well, the it, it, really the entire offense did. And yeah. uh, let's just hope that this year 
we don't have to rely on our offense scoring over 40 points every game to have a chance to win. I agree. I agree. And speaking of that, you know, lots of hay being made about the Rameek Wilson being shown as second on the depth chart. An all-SEC lineman, and he's second on well, the depth chart. I mean, yeah, yeah linebacker. And, I'm sorry. And, and it just goes it just goes to, to back to, to what we have said, and again, just shows how damn smart we are. Um, so often we've said it really doesn't matter in recruiting or any of this preseason stuff because you've got a lot of people that don't know jack about our program all of a sudden based on what somebody did a year ago tackling making the most tackles of people after they have gained seven to ten yards all of a sudden he's going to be an all-american and he's he's num and our coaches figure he's not even the best middle call him mike linebacker we've got I agree. And I'll tell you, I mean, the big that's takeaway not, for that's me not is to say, you know, that's not to say that he's not going to play. And by no means am I saying he's not any good. I think he is. And I think this concussion held them out. And probably if he hadn't been hurt, he he may have been the starter, may not. But you've got to remember last year he was in a heated battle, too, before the other guy got hurt. No doubt. I totally agree. And like I said, what I was going to say is. I think the biggest takeaway is is not that Rameek Wilson maybe has fallen off or anything, is that we got more linebackers that you haven't even heard about. You know what I mean? The the takeaway is really is that we're deeper and a little bit better on defense than maybe people know. Well, and let's hope too that finally now we have a better group of defensive coaches that can assess the talent and Let's hope they've got the right guys on the field this year because obviously the group before them could not do that. So let's talk about the game this weekend. By the way, even before I get into that, I read an article today about Dabo Sweeney saying that he still, even to this day, throughout the year and over the summer, still has nightmares, still has nightmares about Todd Gurley, and specifically the 75-yard run. As well as well he should. As well he should. <laughs> he is physically, actually afraid of Todd Gurley. As well he should be. I yeah, think that's no. hilarious. And I think it takes a big man in Dabo Sweeney to uh, to announce to the world that he is, in fact, afraid of uh, Todd Gurley. Um, you know, I, 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 I just and, can't you know, wait. And, and after this week passes, I kind of like Dabo. And yeah. one of the reasons I like Dabo is because he loves to take a little poke at the OBC. He does. He does. Dabo is like – him being head coach is really like if you just took a fan out of the stands, like one of these just regular yeah. Joe Schmo, and just made him a coach, right? That's right. Dabo Sweeney. He's just a guy out of the stands. He's a fan first. Um I, yeah, he's not a bad guy. He's actually a pretty good guy. He's a really nice guy. He's a good guy. And uh, after this week, we can all be friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you, you know, he's 32-8. and 32-8 and eight over the past three seasons. The best three seasons that Clemson's had in a long time. 
Well, you got to temper that playing in the ACC, too. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, I mean, you got one tough team in there at, you know, Florida State, and they can't beat them. Well, you know, also, he is also, uh, he's 9-13 and 13 against teams ranked in the top 25. In fact, the biggest well, win he's ever I, had. I, I, I don't think we ought to start bringing up coaches and their records against well, the top 25. Well, I, I did favorites. that. I'm laying that out there for you. That's a little okay. gift for you right there. You know, because you're talking about, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, Dabo Sweeney and Mark Rick have in common. And, yep. uh, <laughs> and and some of them aren't real good. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, right? But his biggest win ever, of course, was, I think, against us at home last year. Now, the good news for us, I think. Well, you know, now, and, and I tell you now, a lot of Clemson fans will, will tell you that beating Ohio State. Yeah, I too, guess. What was a biggie. I mean, you know, Ohio State's Ohio State, and if you ask the media, I'm sure that would be. You know, their biggest win on that too. But, you know, who knows? Obviously, I think it is us, um, although the way we played for the rest of the year kind of probably diminished that win a little bit. Well, let's talk about Clemson for a second. They, um, they, uh, they, they are hurting. I mean, they're hurting at running back. They're really, really hurting at running back. Um, their best hope at running back was a kid named Zach Brooks. Um, he had 48 carries total in all of last season, and he's out for the whole season. Yeah. So now they're going to a kid, a, a true freshman. Um, their, their primary feature running back is a true freshman. Um, I mean, they've got a senior and a junior running back as well, but uh, they they are hurting for, for star players on offense. They have a couple of good receivers in Adam Humphreys and Sharon Peak. But, um, you know, Sharon Peak's coming off of a season where he was injured the whole season. Adam Humphreys is really good. It's a lot like uh, Michael Bennett. He is the Michael Bennett of Clemson's team, a real clutch possession-type receiver, um, hailing from the great city of Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, Adam Humphreys is pretty good. He's a pretty good receiver. And Sharon Peak's pretty good also. Uh, if he can stay healthy, you know, nobody's seen him yeah. play. Nobody's seen him play in a year. Well, and it's going to boil down to, you know, is, is the quarterback going to be able to do it? You know, they, we've got a quarterback for Clemson, you know, hadn't played much. Yeah, to say the least. He's the son of Cliff Stout, who yeah. was famous for being a backup in the pros, uh, you know, for Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. Call, um, what, what do they call him? A journeyman? A journeyman. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the kind of guy that everybody knows and is never, nobody's ever seen him play. Exactly. Um, you know, but you got to be pretty damn good just to be a journeyman in the NFL. That's so. right. To hang around for as long as he did. Yeah. Um, Clemson does have that that quarterback Cole Stouts. They're going to be their starter. He's the undisputed starter. But they also have this this true freshman. If you talk to a lot of Clemson fans, they really want to see this true freshman, Deshaun Watson, who is probably a pretty good a pretty good football player, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, he's a big, physical, throwing, running kind of guy. He really looks and acts a lot like Taj Boyd. But he's just not ready yet. You know, he's just not ready. Doesn't know the system. Not really not ready to step on the field in Athens in front of 96,000 screaming red-clad Bulldog fans. Hell, I'm not even sure Cole Stout's ready to step on the field in Athens against uh, 96,000 Bulldog fans. Well, we will, we will see here shortly for sure. Well, so that brings me to the first key to victory. 
and that is going to be to pressure this quarterback. We need to pressure this quarterback, get in his head. We need to hit him early. We need a heavy dose of Leonard Floyd and Jordan Jenkins, and we need to get this kid on his heels and get him scared early because they have no running game to rely on. Hell, they have. I don't know what I don't know what Clemson's going to do with the ball, but I know if we can get in Cole Stout's head, we're going to be in we're going to be in good shape. Well, that's definitely a key, and you know, along with that is, and this is going to be a key all year long, is when we get not giving up the big third down play, getting getting the defense off the field, which is something that the Todd Grantham-led defenses had not been able to do. And hopefully this year that will be a real key for our guys that they're not going to be giving up those third and longs. Again, Pruitt has just come up with this remarkable revolutionary idea of in a passing situation to actually get more defensive backs out on the field. I mean, it, it's revolutionary. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, not just that, I was going to mention earlier, you know, not only, I mean, you talk about Pruitt, you're talking about a guy who took the Clemson offense of last year that had been averaging averaging over 40 points a game. He held them to 12 points last year. Yeah. He completely shut their passing game down, shut Sammy Watkins down, and he also, I mean, you know, he did a great job limiting the running game, even when they had Roddy McDowell. Um, boy, I'm excited to see what Pru- You know, much like Grantham kind of dominated Georgia Tech, as much as I, you know, Grantham called his shot on Georgia Tech. I will give him that. Yeah. Pruitt seemed to have the handle on Clemson, on Chad Morris last year. So I'm hoping that he can can continue that trend, that trend well, of, you know, because only one data point, one data point is not a trend, my friend. Two data no, points, that would be a trend, right? At least a start of one. <laughs> but I think, you know, those are two of the big keys to victory. Uh, you know, another key to victory, just in, in a – and again, not just in the Clemson game, but all year, is play fundamental football. Uh, you know, learn how to, you know, hopefully we've learned how to tackle. You know, wrap the guy up, put him down. Uh, you know, we it, apparently under under the Grantham-led defense, we got away from that stuff. And, you know, having watched some of these old, films on the SEC network and not just Georgia, but, you know, some of these old folks, the teams that won, the teams that are winning championships know how to tackle people. They're, you, you don't have these guys getting all these yards after the catch or after their first hit. And that's just, it, it was horrible over these last couple of years, what other teams were doing to us. Very seldom did we ever take the guy down, our first defender, take the guy down and plant him. And I want to see this year, I want to see guys going backwards. You know, I want to see a running back get hit and instead of lunging forward for another three or four yards, you know, be driven back too before he's planted in the ground. Well, I'll tell you something else I'd like to see, talking about adjustments on defense, especially for this Clemson game. You mentioned about not giving up the big play on third down and fourth down. I think a big key on that is we need to be playing, and I believe we will. One of the things we're going to see out of this Pruitt defense is much tighter cushions, much tighter gaps with the defensive backs and the receivers. 
our defensive backs and Clemson's receivers. Hell, if it's third down and five, let's not give them a seven-yard cushion, right? Let's get up and jam those receivers at the line of scrimmage and play much tougher, much tighter coverage right from the line of scrimmage. We Not only do we need to tackle fundamentally, we need to play tighter, closer on the corners. Oh, no, no doubt. And talking about that, just... And and I will say this for Pruitt, too. He came in with no perceived notions on who was going to start, and that's reflected, I believe, in when you look at the depth chart. Blank um, slate. Yeah, you know, and I mean, and not even that, but again, it goes back to, you know, the media and, and all this other stuff. You know, all, you know, we've heard, you know, how great J.J. Green is going to do. And, you know, these guys that have these blogs and these second-rate podcasts and all that, you know, J.J. Green's going to be the breakout player and all that. You know, <laughs> there's some, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a freshman I've never heard of. In front of him. You know, in, in front of him. Right. And that's no, nothing against J.J. Green. It's just, you know, what's going on. Uh, you know, a, a guy that was a key to the, what was it, the, the fab what did they call that class with Crowell? The, I, I've tried the, for the, the dream team. The dream team. You know, the class you know, that included the class Crowell that included and Ray uh, yeah. Drew. Mm-hmm. Ray Drew. You know, like one and two on that. James Deloach is is ahead of Ray Drew. Right. That's um, critical too. You know, we talked a little bit about Tim uh, Kimbrough being yeah. ahead of Rameek Wilson. Again, I my hat goes off to Pruitt and his staff. Coming in, it does look like at least they have put what they believe are the best guys on the field. Here's the thing, no, too. There's a couple no of messages. Notions. couple of messages being sent there that were not being sent last year. If you remember last year, Grantham relied so little on substitutions, he had our front seven, especially our front three, out there with their tongues dragging. You know, they're playing 40, 50 snaps a game with no hope whatsoever of coming out of the game. And on the flip side of that coin, you've got kids on the sideline that know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they're not ever going to get in the game. That is not going to be the case this year. Nobody on the field, nobody on the field thinks for a second that their job is safe. And nobody on the sidelines thinks that they don't have a chance. Everybody's got a chance, baby. And if you play well, you're going to be on the field. And I think that helps us in a lot of different ways. And it's going to be a big, big thing for this defense. More substitutions and hungrier guys on the field when they are well, on the and, field. And we and we certainly do need that without a doubt. And I really don't think is with, with Pruitt's scheme and the rest of his coaches – whether you're whether you're one or two, you're going to see plenty of playing time. I think all I think all 22 or really 24 guys on defense that they've got listed, I think all of them are going to play pretty much an equal amount of time. Uh, you know, I think Lorenzo Carter's going to be out on the field. I think Bellamy is going to be out on the field. Obviously, Rameek Wilson's going to be out there. J.J. Green's going to be. Out there, you know, another guy we hear all and I can't even pronounce his name, Chantel Fintag or whatever, <laughs> you know, this guy, exactly. 
you know, he's... That guy's name's going to be fun to say all season. Yeah. You know, he was he was all everything, and he's number two. How about uh, Sterling Bailey being a captain this weekend? I mean, yeah. that kid has really gotten a lot of traction, you know? Well, he's gotten hungry. He's gotten hungry. He's gotten hungry. And he's gotten uh, a chance. Yeah. He, he's hungry, and he's got a chance, and he's making the most of it. Now, I'll tell you, old dog, let's flip the script and talk about the offensive side of the ball, when the dogs have the ball. Because there's one thing that I know that you're interested in talking about. Because uh, a couple of things I want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. One, let's talk about this John Theus matchup versus Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley is being cast, and don't get me wrong, I don't want anybody to think that I think Vic Beasley's not a player. He is a monster. There's no doubt about it. Definitely one of the very best one of the very best defensive ends in the entire country. He is not, however, he is not, you know, a Jadavian Clowney type. I mean, he's not that dominating. Do you see, what do you see happening with this Vic Beasley versus John Theus matchup? Hudson Mason wanted John Theus, asked for John Theus, and he has his man at left tackle, John Theus, and he's getting the work this weekend against Vic Beasley. Well, and and I hope I hope Hudson Mason has seen a lot more in John Theus than I have, and I hope John Theus finally got a good swift kick in the butt and is going to finally play up to his potential. Because quite frankly, the first two years he has not. Right, we um, need him to be the player he, that he could he, be. He, without a doubt, when he was on the right side. He could not handle speed worth a damn. Right. If if the if the defensive guy had any kind of speed, he went right around him. And you know, quite often, Theus was riding the bench, and you know, and he would come up with these, you know, after the game, uh, you know, like, oh man, you know, I needed to play better. I mean, at least he realized that. But there right. never seemed to be a sense of urgency with him. You know, to get better. I remember Hopefully, last year he's like, "Boy, I found out. You know, this is the real deal. I, I guess I need to consider stepping up my game. You know, yeah. I mean, after three so, offsides and, and, and calls, I hope, or and I hope he has. Yeah, uh, me too. And, me too, buddy. And like I say, I mean, I'm not. I am not. He's no Max Gene Gillis. At well, least, he's got you know, Mark right Beard. Now. You know, Mark Beard's backing him up at that spot. Mark Beard. Mark Beard's a senior. He's experienced, you know, and I think Beard's going to push this, and uh, I think Vic Beasley's going to push this too. So we're going to find out in a damn hurry if John Theus has made the adjustments to his footwork, if he's done the work and paid the price in the offseason to become the player he could be. Like I said, I hope he does, and that is a big matchup to watch on the field. Well, Theus and, and at not left only tackle that, versus Beasley. Not only that but there's a whole lot of money riding on the thing for John Theus too because right I mean a good left tackle makes makes a lot of bank you got that right buddy and Hudson Mason said that, that Theus is his man and uh, so we're, I hope I just I hope it all works I want it to work by the oh, way and, and I do too but you know did you see I am did you see the Hut did you see the Hudson Mason quote this week he said something that should warm should warm the subcockles of your heart, old dog. He said, 
I didn't come back for another season to go to the damn Liberty Bowl. <laughs> Did right, you, you see that back. quote? I love that quote, man. Baby, I hope he didn't come back to go to the Liberty Bowl, you know? No. Exactly, because nobody wants to go to the Liberty Bowl <laughs> or the Foodland Weed Eater Bowl or any of that. And I mean, and, and we've got, again, on paper, we have the potential to be great if we can just get these guys to play up to their potential. And uh, I work with a Clemson guy, and I told him this is going to be. And and this is kind of where the rubber meets the road with our recruiting and everything else that we, that we've seen. Is it, is it the coaching or is it the players? Because right now we've been blaming defensive wise, we've been blaming everything on Todd Grantham. He's got all this talent. I mean, you know, two years ago he had, Eight, nine guys went to the NFL and we couldn't, and we couldn't stop anybody. So, you know, is it, and, and this is going to prove it out. I mean, is it, is it the fact that we're not getting or the people we're bringing in aren't living up to their billing or do we just have piss poor coaching on the defensive side of the ball? I hope it's the, I hope it's the latter. I be, I really I like Tracy Rocker. I like I mean I like what Tracy Rocker's doing. I like I Tracy Rocker is is even though he's an Auburn guy, he comes from the old Auburn back before they were, you know, he's 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 kind of the kind of Auburn guy I could kind of like, you know, back in the yeah. day. But uh I like what Tracy Rocker's doing. I love what Pruitt's doing. These guys are proven winners on the defensive side of the ball. So we've eliminated uh at at the at the collegiate level. By the way, I think that's an important thing to say. But anyway, I've got another loaded question for you, old dog. Shoot. How are you feeling about Mark Rick saying we will play five different running backs? I know you're excited about that. I know you, when you hear five running backs getting touches, boy, that gets you excited, doesn't it? Well, you know, and, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that I just, I, I'm not a huge Mark Rick fan because his philosophy of how to win football games and mine are totally different. And before we get, you know, all these people telling me, you know, that I don't know Jack and that, I will point out he's won just as many national championships as a head coach as I. So no doubt. My opinion, my opinion on how to win one, obviously, is just as good as his. Maybe better. But well, I'd like to see Gurley. I mean, Wouldn't I, you like to see Gurley I, with twenty-five I build, carries? I would build. I at least I would build an offense. I would get the greatest offensive line possible, and then get some get some great or down to good running backs. But as we have often said, a great offensive line can make a good running back great. A great running back can't make a good offensive line great. Right. It all it all starts, at least in my opinion, on the line of scrimmage. And yeah, I would love to see I'd love to see Todd Gurley. I'd love to see Hudson Mason throw maybe ten passes and Todd Gurley tote 
the ball 32 times. Man, that'd be great. And have and have 200 and some yards. <laughs> that would be fantastic. You with know, Todd, no, with Todd Gurley no run, is with no run over 20. Todd I mean, Gurley long, is the only running back ever to go over 150 yards on Brent Venables' defense. Yeah. And he did it last year. So you can believe Brent did, Venables. And he did something. And he did something Herschel never did against Clemson, and that was score a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. In yeah, he put a put a ball in the box in Death Valley. Um, so there you have it, dog fans. Listen, we need to get pressure on this Clemson quarterback. We need to protect the football. I mean, you know, it's it's opening week type stuff. We need to not make mistakes, low on penalties, low on turnovers, and get in Cole Stout's face. Yeah. That's all we need to do to win this game. If we protect the ball, don't have a lot of penalties, play up to our potential, and get in Cole Stout's face, I think we're going to be okay this week, dog fans. Um, I'd love to see Todd Gurley with 25 carries. I, You know, you're going to see Sonny Michael. You're going to see Nick Chubb. You're going to see Keith Marshall. Keith Marshall had a good game, a great game against Clemson last year. Um, he he did. And, again, I mean, I and I don't know why, I guess – there is a part of it that, you know, you don't redshirt the two kids because if they are as good as you think they are, they're not going to be hanging around. We've just got so many good running backs. Uh, you know, when one gets in a rhythm, hopefully, hopefully we will not go away mess up it. on offense and go to the hot hand and not worry about that this guy's got to get so many touches and this guy does. If Gurley is eating it up and decides he wants to stay in the game, let's let him do it. I told a Clemson fan this week, I too work with some Clemson fans, I'm pretty sure that we have four running backs better than any running back that Clemson has. Oh, I, we I have five or six. Yeah, we might have five or six Hell, running backs got, better than any. Hell, we've got a kid playing defensive back that's <laughs> better than any of their running backs. <laughs> Green. Dogs, we got to take care of business this weekend. Georgia is a – I've seen eight to nine points, old dog. You like Georgia laying the points? Never. You don't want to lay the points, huh? No. Oh, no, man. because Georgia is – Georgia is, is never good. As never a, good. As a big I, favorite. Never. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a rivalry game. The other thing is, it's not like we're going to be able to come if we lose this one again. This is going to sit for a long, long time because it's not like we're home and home back in the good old days, back in the eighties. Right. When exactly. We play Clemson every year. I mean, we you need know, to even this up. Guys. We don't have. We don't ever have them scheduled again. I know you're right. As it stands, so, we may never play Clemson again. <laughs> Technically, and so, this is it. So we need to win this right. to even we up for last year. Because I sure don't want to hear it from Clemson fans. Dog but fans, again, it's a crapshoot. We don't. I mean, we're just like Clemson. We are just like every other team coming in. We think we're going to be good. We hope we're going to be great, but we really don't know jack. Man, I'm just ready to get it on. Let's put some toe to leather and find Absolutely. out what's up, buddy. Let's find out what's up. I'm going to pour some Tito's over some uh, Simply Lemonade because I can't go Firefly. Can't go Firefly for three weeks. I'm going to swear off the Firefly from Wadmalaw Island. And, uh, you know, I'm going Tito's for these two weeks. And then it will be back to Firefly. I'm kind of excited about this season, though. 
I'll be tailgating on the uh, Thomas Street Railroad tracks if anybody wants to come see me. Uh, I don't know. Good luck finding me. I don't know how you'd find me even if you were looking for me. But uh, hey, You'll I'll be the loud, obnoxious guy wearing red. Yeah, oh, we'll have we the didn't big. Even mention, didn't even mention the red out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. I mean, come on. Red out. Do we really have to announce that we're going for a red out? Is that like news? Yeah, no shit. We're going for a red out. What? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know why that's even a news story. No. Yeah, I'll be wearing red. By the way, I also have a red pop-up and a red table and red chairs, too, right? Come find me if you can. I would love to uh, see you guys. <laughs> hey, by the way, you know, I heard from a listener in California this week who just found out about the show. And uh, he's been binge listening, like Netflix style. Started on episode one. And oh, is wow. Binge listening to the dog cast. He got a poster. And I sent him a couple of free cups too, because I just because the kid. I mean, come on, you got to give. Oh man, if he if he has done that, he's probably in a padded cell somewhere by he's, now. He's worth it, man. But next week, guys, the t-shirts, the new t-shirt. You guys are not gonna believe the new t-shirt, guys, will be available for sale next week. Um, right after the Clemson game, I should have a picture of one to put up. I have the proofs and stuff now. Um, I'll tell you this, guys. It says Dogcast on the back. It says Finish on the front because to me that's a metaphor for Mark Rick. It's a metaphor for this team. It's a metaphor for this season. Finish the drill for Dan McGill, baby. But on the back of the T-shirt, guys, it has a big number three. It says it has three for Heisman, and it says Run the ball, ring the bell. Number three for Heisman dogcast.com you guys are going to love the shirts they'll be available for sale next week and hey i may even have some new cups too what do you say old dog you want to you want to come up you want to are we are we back in cup business now oh I, we, you will be after saturday we are never out of the <laughs> cup business baby i love There's selling no, cups no doubt you're restocking Exactly. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Give us a call at 706-363-0210. Call us after the game and tell us what you thought. 706-363-0210. It's a 530 kickoff against the Tigers from Death Valley. This has been Dogcast number 355. We appreciate you listening. Old Dog, why don't you take us out of here, man? It's the first week of the season. Start, Start of another new season. Hope always springs eternal. This is going to be the year. The dogs are going undefeated. Win two off play, win two playoff games. Going to be national champs. Going to bring the new trophy to the butt smear. Let's do it. This is our year.